from Vineyard's New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vineyard Next Round Conversation, bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to give you a better picture of what's going on in the alcohol beverage industry. Today, I'm talking with Evan and Mikhail, the two of the founders of the brand Long Drink. Uh, guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So uh, before we jump into the whole business, I'm assuming a, you know some people who listen to the pod may have maybe familiar with the brand, but others are not. So what is Long Drink? So I can start with with the background of Long Drink. Long Drink is uh, is an alcoholic beverage originally from Finland, um, a drink that's been around here for almost 70 years now. So originally it was invented for the 1952 Summer Olympics in Helsinki um, because the government was concerned that how, how do we serve alcohol quickly enough to all the tourists? And they created a, a, a canned beverage that was quick to serve. And people fell in love and have been drinking it ever since. Um, and so it's a it's a it's a big deal here in Finland. But um, how we came involved in this is that we 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 became friends with Evan and we were thinking about how to get this to the U.S. and uh, decided to finally bring this to the U.S. a couple of years ago. So it's a canned canned alcoholic beverage. Okay, cool. And so I mean, is the idea that it's lower in alcohol, it's higher in alcohol, and sort of. Where does it fit into sort of this new space of, uh, you know, sort of canned cocktails we're seeing all over the place? I think that's the interesting thing about long drinks. So in, in Finland, it's not viewed as a niche player. It's it's the biggest drink there. And, and as you know, as the American co-founder, when I went to visit Mikael and my other co-founders in Finland, you know, we were doing all these different activities, whether it was a white tablecloth restaurant or a dive bar or at home and going to the sauna or swimming all these different activities, people are drinking long drinks and it's just huge. And the big, the big, best analogy I can use is, um, you know, you think when you think of like alcohol brands to a country, a lot of times people think about Guinness to the Irish. Well, long drinks to Finns are like way bigger, like 10 times or more bigger on the actual consumption by, by the native population. Um, so, you know, it's just a massive thing. So we thought, you know, this taste profile, the story, that's something that could be interesting to Americans because it's not a copycat innovation product. It's not trying to satisfy a niche uh, occasion or a niche dietary need. It's something that um, just tastes great to a large profile of people that seems to be interesting in all occasions in Finland. So let's try it here. And when we brought it here, we didn't try to shoehorn it into one specific um, use case. We just put it out there and we said, let's see what happens. Because frankly, we're not industry guys. We don't know. So we put it out there and the consumers really spoke and and while very few people knew about it when we launched it, um, within a few months, those people were mega fans and it was a go-to drink across occasions. It was men, women, all different types of backgrounds. Um, so that's what really made us excited. And we thought, gosh, this could be, this could be a real, you know, a real business that, that could exist across the US. And more importantly, a kind of a really iconic brand and product that, that people seem to enjoy. So what's the flavor profile? So the, the you know, it's interesting. We call it citrus soda. Uh, with real liquor, it, it's hard to explain because it's sort of its own thing. The biggest analogy that that we get in the U.S. is that it tastes sort of like a boozy fresca. Yeah. But you know, ultimately, um, you know, the the net promoter score and it's plus ninety one. So that's hard to get in any food, let alone a, an alcohol. So our 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 main advice is when people say, "Well, what what's the profile?" We try not to get too too wordy, and we just generally push it across the table and say, "Give it a try." So, um, you know, how did you all come to to work together in the first place? Because Evan, I see you also, you have two other companies, right? So how did you guys meet up and decide to do this? 
Yeah, the story on our website is actually true. On, on thelongdrink.com, there's a story tab and people can go read that and kind of learn how everybody came together. But I was uh, uh, running another company, a, a media and tech company, several years ago and growing that. And we were ho- hosting a little kind of drinks, get together mixer for entrepreneurs and people that worked in startups. And somehow one of my friend's interns was Finnish, had some other Finnish friends he wanted to invite that were in the US studying, uh, studying. And, you know, here comes my, my now co-founders into the, uh, into the apartment and we became friends and there were several other events that, you know, I invited them to. And over time, um, you know, built a real bond. I think we're very like-minded about entrepreneurship and hard work. And I really appreciated the Finnish culture and we, and they ended up inviting me to Finland. So I was in Finland. Uh, You know, I made the trip to Finland at some point within the year after meeting them. And that's when, as they were just doing the natural introduction to these kind of fun Finnish cultural things, everything was while drinking these things called long drink. And that's, that's sort of when, I was like, wow, this is really great. And, you know, our, our preclusion towards entrepreneurship turned into this could be a fun thing to start. Um, so at, at the beginning, it was like, you know, look, let's use some of the, the known U.S. investors that are, are venture investors. Um, let's bring them on board and, and have the Finnish guy, you know, our Finnish co-founders um, come to the U.S. and sort of pursue that American dream of having an idea and planting a seed and having it grow. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people say, gosh, this is crazy. And, um, you know, both, both, you know, folks in Finland and Mikhail, you can talk about that, but also in the U S they said, this is crazy. You guys don't know the space. This is a product that nobody knows what it is. There's no description of what a long drink is in the U S. Um, this is a, this is a big, this is a big hill to climb. And we knew that. Um, but I think we were uh, frankly dumb enough to give it a shot, not to be cliche, but just dumb enough, not knowing all the specifics of this industry. So we gave it a shot and, uh, well, we still have a lot to learn. It's been a fun, a fun road. So, I mean, look, I, I think how much did you decide? So are you still involved with, with Odyssey? I'm not. So when you were there, uh, but you still were there when you started, when you were in the process yeah, of starting right. this brand. Okay, cool. Did you sort of see your access to that audience as well as, as something that you could use and as a way to sort of help expand long drink? Have you taken advantage of that at all? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, you know, Odyssey, what the way we made all of our money, for those that don't know, we, we built you know, the, the largest college and, and millennial website for to 30 million monthly uh, monthly active users. And we made all of our money from advertisers like PepsiCo or Victoria's Secret or Red Bull Media House paying for advertising. And it was how do you get 18 to 25-year-olds excited and advocating for a brand? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this was with Odyssey, so not, not, uh, not all alcohol. Yeah, yeah. So what was interesting is we learned a lot there and I said, gosh, you know, if we can take some of these things we've learned about how to get an influential demographic to try and abdicate for something, we can probably take a lot of those learnings and apply them to long drink. And so at the beginning, like the early days of long drink, um, my, actually my co-founder at, at Odyssey was also, you know, also helped in a consultative way of us thinking, how do we, how do we not go super wide and try to reach everybody? Let's not launch every state. Let's not try to, you know, be in every door at the same point. Let's go to a few very targeted geographies. And frankly, it was parts of Manhattan and Montauk out out in uh, the Hamptons. Interesting. So that was it. You didn't even think about like the West Coast or anything, just parts of Manhattan and Montauk. No, it was was like, let's just, let's be neighborhood focused and see if we can actually create density. Because honestly, what worked is we saw that any brand that wanted to really change how consumers talked about it, they had to go deep within a specific audience and own that conversation. And too often brands, they just try to be everywhere. And gosh, there's 200 and some million Americans. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It's really hard to control that. So going deep in a specific audience or a specific geography is the only way 
uh, we saw it work. And honestly, that's what we've done with long drink. Like, you know, we're number one in category in Nevada. We're number one in category in Georgia. Those are two of our two of our four earliest states because we just went very deep and focused. And uh, so let, me, let me let me ask you. So when you say category, what category do you mean? Uh, canned spirits. Canned spirits. So that means does that put you against like the high noons of the world that's and stuff right. like that? That's right. Interesting. Wow, that's great. And so you're number one in category in how many states right now? Uh, just those two. But there's there's a Nevada whole and there was, that we're in, in Georgia. Okay, cool. Yeah, and there's there's a whole plethora where we're where, you know we're in that second place and, and moving up. Oh, interesting. And so, um, and th- were those markets again that you picked sort of strategically? So, like, let's go hard in Atlanta, let's go hard in Vegas, things like that. Uh, yeah, and a lot of it was just it was yeah. The answer is yes, um, and some of it was opportunistic too. You know, I don't want to say that we were necessarily too smart. I mean, Mikhail, maybe you can talk about Nevada a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I would have wanted to add to the New York thing that one thing that why New York made sense as well in the beginning is that you know it is a very independent market where you have just you know your corner stores where you can walk in and sell any brand um you know going into the large chain states you know if you if you don't really exist as a brand you don't really have any chances to going into your big walmarts and targets right away so building the brand and getting some proof of concept in in places like new york where you can just walk in and knock on the doors of these liquor stores and start start getting your initial data and initial sell through that was important for us for sure and uh, that's what we were doing um you know day to day just knocking on doors and 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 you know getting people to taste the product and taste is really what Mm. matters with with this drink and you know when you get liquid lips that's really what what makes a difference that that makes a lot of sense so um so when you finally decided like okay we're going to start bringing this brand to the U S to get back a little bit to the fundraising conversations because people get, you know, really curious about that. How did you take the product to uh, investors? How did you get certain investors involved? I know, I don't know if you guys use miles teller a lot in the copy. I know like I've heard it bandied around by, by people. So how did you bring on people like that? Just so that, you know, we can kind of understand what you thought you need to do next in order to build the funds to really build the brand in the U S. So one thing, one thing that was in the very beginning, obviously, our background as the three of us Finns, our background is in finance. So mm-hmm. we have okay. we have nothing to do with <clears throat> nothing to do with uh, you know we weren't really entrepreneurs at the time. We've we've gone to universities and got a master's degree in finance and went on to do very regular finance jobs in consulting or banking. So sort of doing pitch decks and you know business plans and strategies. That's you know all that we had done before, but we just done it for other brands and other companies. So now this time, obviously, you know, the initial step was to, to build a business plan and, and, you know, build a, build a pitch deck and, you know, you know, see what, what makes sense and what strategy mm-hmm. makes sense. And that's, that's a lot that we were doing in the beginning. And then okay. obviously Evan having already founded one company and having some connections and experience from raising funding. I mean, that was kind of a good combination of us uh, tag teaming and uh, seeing if, if people would get interested. And did you raise the funds only from U.S. investors or did you guys, because, I mean, obviously having, uh, you know, connections in Finland, did you raise internationally as well? Well, it was actually in the U.S., but I mean, it was funny because there there probably would be a lot of people in Finland who would be interested, but, you know, somehow the Finnish culture is, is maybe slightly more pessimistic. I mean, good example of this long drink is that every Finn have had this idea of bringing right. long drink to the U.S. for the last, you know, whatever, <laughs> 20 years. Um, nobody just have has really had the courage and or you know the you know have been crazy enough to actually try it. So that's probably something that tells that you know in the US you actually there are a lot more you know capital out there. There's a lot more you know willingness to take risk 
um, mm-hmm. than than what there is in Finland. So the initial capital did come mm-hmm. from from the US, but since then we have brought on some Finnish Finnish investors as well. Wow. And did you guys, did you bootstrap it initially? Like, I guess one of the questions I get from a lot of people who, or some of, you know, our listeners, et cetera, who are interested in starting their own drinks brands is like, do I need to have the drink first and have sort of like, you know, some, some proven sales or can I raise against just the idea? Obviously this has a rich history in Finland, right? You, we, we've, we've established that, but you know, whether or not it could work in the U S is, is such a crapshoot. Like, did you did you guys sort of bootstrap it yourselves in the beginning and and start selling it in Manhattan and Montauk to prove it would work, or did you raise, or were you able to raise some funds first? Yeah, no, I mean we we did both. So we did raise initial capital before you know mm-hmm. starting anything because getting into production and figuring out the regulatory things that just needs initial capital already. So mm-hmm. we did raise some capital, but as you said, I mean we had kind of an easy easy way to pitch the idea because it is an existing drink. I mean the right. taste and the liquid per se, is already an extremely popular drink in Finland. So we didn't have to prove that people like this drink. Obviously, what we did have to prove is is that do the Americans like this drink as they do Mm -hmm. in Finland? That was the unknown. But Mm -hmm. if you if you could believe that, you know, that, you know, the people in America can like it as the Finns do, then it would be a, a pretty easy, easy sell. And uh, but right. yeah, then then we w- initial you know tries before we went even to pitch anything. You know, Evan had some connections in the industry, and we basically you know did a small sample test of <laughs> all of our connections in the industry, and you know had them try some long drink and ask them, "Do you think this would be viable in the U.S. as well? Do you think Americans oh. could like?" So this? when you mean in the industry, you mean in the, in the in the drinks industry or in the correct, correct, cool. That makes sense. So because I think it's interesting. How did you wind up sort of bringing on some of these more high profile people? Were they people who had consumed the drink and then became friends or were you connected to them through other investors? Yeah. So the story on the, the long drink.com is actually, it's true. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times there's a lot of mark, made up marketing stuff about mm-hmm. quote unquote celebrities being involved. But, um, you know, all of these, these celebrities that are investors in the business, they've all become investors because they love the product. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it sort of was a, a step function of, then you have one that likes it, Miles Teller, he then gifts it to his friends, they then like it, some of them say we'd like to be involved, maybe some of their audience is something that's interesting to us, so we allow them to invest. So that's sort of mm-hmm. been a step function over time. I think what, what I, you know, what I would think about somebody, you know, if I was in, if I was doing this again, I think one of the things that we got lucky and did right was we just were very, um, you know, liberal with budgets around gifting product to people. Right. Um, and if you have a product that that's good and you have confidence in like that's that, that old liquid, the lips adage, like it, it just works really well. Mm-hmm. And so now how many SKUs are there of long drink? We only have four, four. And is there plans for more? Um, yes, there is. Um, there, there is a, you know, a plethora of, 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 you know, options out there and there are more, different variations of long drink in Finland that we could already bring or create new ones. But, but our main goal right now is not to really create a lot of variation in the, in the flavors. We feel like there's so much more white space for, for sort of these existing core uh, flavors and skews uh, in the U S that we just want to want to focus on this now and then look at, look at kind of the, you know, different variations in packaging and flavoring down the road. I mean, for right. us too, like it, it, it is a very different type of product compared to, you know, seltzers, for example, where it's, where it is all about kind of variety uh, for us. I mean, long drink is, is, a, you know, it, it's a lot more rich 
rich uh, product and history that, you know, it, it all comes down to that one drink that was invented in the 50s. And we want to tell that story. And we don't want the customer to be confused about millions of different different flavors, but we want to make sure that they understand the history and the story of that, that uh, traditional long drink as well. Makes a lot of sense. So obviously online, um, you guys are pushing people to either use Drizzly or uh, pick it up locally, but you do sell it, uh, you know, anywhere in the country via FedEx. How much has that sort of direct to consumer business been part of the plan? And how much does it represent in terms of your sales? I know a lot of people are, are very focused now on DTC when it comes to alcohol. And was that something you were focused on, you know, from the beginning or did, did COVID kind of influence it? I'm, I'm very curious about that. I think we might be contrarian a little bit on this. It's something that we certainly think is important. I mean, the, making it, the, having a situation where the consumer can find your product as easily as possible is key. So we've worked to get on all these platforms and make it accessible. Um, but it feels like the consumer really is discovering new products most often when they're on their existing journey, whether it's convenience store, liquor store, bar. So honestly, almost all of our effort, you know, 99 plus percent of our effort is going into how do we expand distribution and then presence in that distribution. Um, and, and I think really what we sort of, our viewpoint is that's probably the best return on dollars and time um, and easy to kind of break out of the noisy pack online. Um, that being said, that we certainly love those platforms and love to be available on them, and they've been nice to grow. But it's we probably have not made that a priority like a lot of the other earlier stage uh, alcohol companies. Interesting. I mean, it, it, I definitely have seen you in lots of stores. I think you know that that ground game definitely is uh, is working for you. You know, where do you sort of see the business in the next three to five years? What's the goal? I'm sure you hear that question a lot, especially from investors. But I had to ask it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, the the first step is to just continue expanding, expanding the presence in the existing states. I mean, there's there's so much more white space left in in just our existing fifteen states, and then you know, obviously, the the next next obvious step is to expand expand to the remaining states in the U.S. So we still have quite a bit of states that we're where we're not yet, and we're planning to launch those, you know, within the next next sort of uh, you know six six months or so. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of expansion geographically, but but then also just continuing to, you know, increase the penetration in our existing states. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, and do you guys ultimately, like a lot of entrepreneurs, would the goal be to ultimately have long drink acquired, or would you want to sort of like build a business where you could launch other drinks brands? Have you have you really had those conversations yet? Have you thought about that at all? I think our goal is we think this can be an iconic brand that lasts. You know, I yep. Think, I think one of the challenges is you know a lot of the the 400 or whatever it is seltzer brands that have come out in the past few years mm-hmm. it's hard to differentiate why is that going to last for a few decades right and this concept has lasted in finland for 70 years with many brands there so we think we can really kind of build um or at least be the launch pad for for something that can be an iconic staying brand that's differentiated and unique and that people like so i think that's the goal Cool. Well, I mean, I will say that the brand is very cool. Um, the the liquid's very tasty. So, I mean, I think you guys are onto something really awesome. I think the the amount of success that you've had so quickly, uh, so early to be, you know, number one in category in some of those states is really impressive. So, congratulations to you guys. Thanks. We appreciate it. We have a lot to learn, but we're having fun so far. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for joining me today, and I appreciate all your time. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. 
VinePair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.